Welcome to the Vertifor Insurance Podcast with Rick Fox. We're here to talk about all things insurance, including current events, trends, and strategies for success for independent agencies and carriers. Each episode provides listeners with tips and tricks you can immediately implement from Rick and other leaders from across the industry. And now, here's Rick. Welcome back to another episode of the Vertifor Insurance Podcast, the VIP. I'm the host, Rick Fox. And today, buckle up, everybody. David Carruthers, principal at FRP, Florida Risk Partners, and one of my kindred spirit co-host of Power Producers Podcast. This guy's going to hit you with some information that I think is going to potentially be life-altering. Is that fair to say? David, welcome to the program, man. Wow, no pressure now. Good grief, Rick. <laughs> way, to, way to throw throw fire just coming right out of the box. No, well, well, hey, I've listened to your show, man. You you deliver you drop it, man. You drop knowledge. So so here's here's everybody knows that listens into the show that I really love to dig into something that I just it's not the let's not just uh survive, but let's thrive mentality. So before we get started on kind of some sales things, which I think will really move the needle for all of our listeners, David, kind of tell us your journey. How did you get here? I didn't grow up thinking I was going to be an insurance agent. I mean, I think I hear that 99% of the time when I ask people how they got here, right? Um, You know, if I would have looked at it uh, from the time I grew up playing wiffle ball in the cul-de-sac as a kid, I was going to be playing baseball somewhere uh, for my entire career. And by this time I'd be floating around on a big boat that baseball funded for me (laughs) and it didn't really go that well. (laughs) So, you know, it went you, even you, better because now you're in insurance, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've got a rotator cuff that's hamburger meat for all practical purposes, but I can sell the crud out of some insurance at this point. But I ended up running grocery stores and super targets for the first 10 years of my adult life. And a lot of people would probably wonder if there's any practical experience from being in retail that applies to the insurance industry. And I will tell you that I think every single person should have to work in restaurants, retail, or the grocery industry in some capacity for two years before they ever go get another job, because that teaches you so many things in terms of dealing with people at their absolute worst. And fortunately, I progressed up through the ladder and had total PNL responsibility. So I got to learn about operations and budgeting and human resources and all of those things from a practical standpoint. And it makes it very easy for me to discuss those with a prospect as a producer today. And it also helps me as a business owner. So I did that for about 10 years. I, um, I, I took a job as a producer at what's now BKS, Baldwin, Kristen, oh, yeah. and Sherman mm-hmm. here in Tampa. I was actually uh, one of the first, if not the first producer that they hired when we reconstituted back in 05. And I was there for a couple of years, um, had some success with them, and then left, started another firm, was with at that firm for eight years. And then in 2016, I launched Florida Risk Partners, and we have just finished our fifth full year as of July 1st. Wow. Congrats, man. Congrats. Thank you. Now, and that's the, the first five years are the toughest, right? I mean, <laughs> that's, you that's know, the way it, this it's crazy, works. man, because you go from living high on the hog to being right back there eating boxed macaroni and cheese again so almost overnight. And, you know, I, I joke about it, but it is, it's true. My agency started in a dining room in my house that got converted to a home office. And for the first 18 months, that's where I operated by myself, no account manager, nothing. 
And then the carriers uh, that I wanted and felt like I needed started putting some pressure on me to go and get a storefront so that I could actually have a physical address and get the contract. And that's how I ended up, you know, getting my first office. And then that you know, brought some people on board and grew a little bit from there, opened up our second location and brought more people on board and grew from there and decided this last year, you know what? time to put on the brakes a little bit. David's really good at going out and selling, but David's not an operational person. So, you know, I, I can be, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, like I said, I ran stores, had total PL responsibility, but when you got to produce and you have to worry about profit at the same time, you got to pick one of the two of them because they're both things that require full, full uh, attention. And so I brought in handlers and mm -hmm. I'm a guy that needs a lot of handlers and they're the ones who care after the money and the processes and making sure things get done inside. And I worry about bringing the money in. That's going to pay the bills. Well, and what's what's cool about your story is it's similar to mine. Like, you know, 400 years ago when I started my agency, I, I started with an office because I thought that would make me look cool, but that same thing, man, sleeping on the couch, getting up and banging the phones in the morning and until it starts to grow and you get bigger and you, and you start and then, but then, with every growth is a, a different challenge or a different issue to deal with, whether that's growth in just from a sake of growth, employees, office size, everything that goes along with that. So David, glad to have you here. I think that's all well and good in the operation stuff. I think you have proven you know enough about it to do it, but that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're not going to talk about operations. We're going to talk about sales. We're going to talk about how do I go out and supercharge what I do as a producer, as a as an insurance salesperson that's going out day to day, grinding it out, wanting to be the biggest and the best, the baddest, you know, just get after it. So for me, when I think about it in those terms, the first thing I always think of is, do I have a plan in place? So talk to me first about kind of what do you say when I say, well, what's your process? What's your plan? What's your, how do you set that up? What, what do you what do you say to that? Well, I'm, I'm kind of snickering over here because it's almost like we coordinated this before, you know, we got on today. I literally just dropped a video snippet of me speaking at the um, insurers of Tennessee young agents event a couple of weeks ago, or actually last month now on LinkedIn today. And it's me talking about, you have to have a process. You know, I think you go into agencies and I talk to a bunch of agency owners from across the country, and I've been fortunate to, enough to go into their, their firms and, and get to know them better. And you go in and you find out you got a process for certificates, you got a process for vehicle changes, you got a process for literally everything that happens within the organization from an operational perspective. And then you get to sales and everybody's doing their own thing. Yep. Very rarely. Wild West. Yeah, very. it's funny because I say the same thing all the time. It's the Wild West. And very rarely do you go in to an agency. And I'm not talking about the, you know, the, the Marshberry five-star or however they rate these agencies. Those people always are going to have a process. I'm talking about the real people like you and me that are yep, yep. You know, running an agency every day, doing what we can to get by. You know, there's not a defined process in place. And to me, that's a huge problem because number one, how can you scale your business if you don't have the ability to replicate. And, and so when people call me, and I have a lot of people who call me to talk about sales training, development, whatever else, and say, what, what do I need? If I want to go out and my shtick's middle market production, but sales is applicable to any product, and I've sold any product in the insurance industry. So, I mean, I can talk about benefits and personal lines and all the other stuff, and the psychology and the process around all of them is similar, if not the same. But 
when they ask me, what do you need? I tell them two things. Number one, you need a foundational technical knowledge. Okay. You don't need to go out and you don't need to be Dr. William Hold from the National Alliance. You know, you just need to have a foundational technical knowledge and experience and your peers are going to teach you the rest. And you have to have a proven and replicable sales process. And if you don't have that proven and replicable sales process, you already have both hands tied behind your back before you ever go out. Yeah. And I, and I noticed this was a chronic problem when I got into the industry because I had no experience. And I came in and I went into you know, the agency the first day and they said, David, you need to go out and produce accounts that are two hundred fifty dollars to $500,000 in premium. And I said, well, how do I do that? And they said, well, you're the sales guy. You got to figure that out. But when you do, we got all the insurance people in the world that you need on the back end. They're going to make sure you don't screw it up and that it's done right. Right. And that's, a, like, that's okay. a very typical response from an agency too, right? It is a hundred percent. And yeah. I think that a lot of it has to do with the fact that people, you know, I don't know what it has to do. I'd be interested because you have a much broader perspective than sure. I do. And I don't want to flip the script and start interviewing you on your no, own podcast. No, 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 but, I'd, I'd you know, love to give you my two cents on it. My yeah, two cents so, is people are too busy and they think salespeople can just go sell. And so I had a conversation just recently about this exact same thing. And the conversation I had, he said, the responsibility lies with the agency to put the position in place for the salespeople to be successful. Now, I agree with that wholeheartedly. In fact, I agreed with him on the call, but then I also said, but devil's advocate here, we have a lot of people that think sales is easy and will say, yeah, I wasn't successful because the agency didn't set me up to be successful. Mm -hmm. So to me, there's two layers. The first layer is, yes, I need a process up an agency-wide process. Like, here's how we do it. If you need in for like, to your point of being, you don't have to be a, a complete subject matter expert, but you need to have a working knowledge of what you're talking about. Does the agency provide you with the tools? Whatever that is, whether that's a some manual they put together or an access to a person that, that knows in the office that you can shout, whatever it is. So do I have the tools? One. And then two, Give me sort of a baseline of what your expectations are from the from the agency level. Like to your point, we want two fifty to five hundred premium. We want this, this, and this. But to your point, how do I get? What, what do you mean? Give me some guidance there. That's the part that's on the agency. Any sales job anywhere, any industry, it's on you, the seller, to build your process to build what makes you successful. And you don't, and it can, the, the beauty of it is like, to your point, David, when you go in that first day, you don't have a process or even really know how to build it. It'll change in a month, in a, six months, in a year, and you continually morph it into what makes you most successful. But that's on, that to me is on the person. It's on the agency, but then it's on the person. No, I, I agree with you. I, I, think, I think that the agency needs to have the markets that you need to be able to place coverage. 100%. I think they need to have the technology that you need from whether that be from a CRM, AMS, all of the things that, that you would expect. And anything outside of the basics is a bonus that makes it a little bit easier on you. But as far as how you're going to prospect, who you're going to prospect, when you're going to prospect, that's all incumbent on you. And so for me, I, I tell people, I use the line all the time, you got to slow down to speed up. Because if you slow down and you actually think things through and you plan them out, you're going to be light years ahead of everybody else. And so I spent literally the first three months in my role at the first agency that I worked at building out my process, building out my pipeline, understanding, because I'm learning the industry at the same time I'm trying to figure out 
how to get in front of these people. And so street smarts had to kick in at some point to be resourceful enough and start finding information that was going to make that easier. And, you know, we're in Florida, so that doesn't make things any easier. (laughs) And so I spent my time doing that. And what's crazy is that if I sit back and look 15, 16 years later, barring a couple of minor tweaks, my sales process hasn't changed. It worked. It worked, you know, it's worked for 15 years and it's going to continue to work into the future because I built it right from the beginning. And it's not, I'm not going to say that I had all the answers, but I had a good framework. I figured out, you know what? I don't need to be all things to all people. I think that that's a huge mistake that agencies make. I also don't think that you put all your eggs in one basket. Now, people are going to push back. Some of the very most, the wealthiest people that I know in many cases are people who have niche agencies that sold those agencies for an incredible multiple. And you know what? That's great. But I think that they are the exception to the rule in most Mm -hmm. cases. I I think that most agencies out there, and I'm talking about Main Street USA, they want to be all things to all people. Right. And the fact of the matter is, for everybody listening to this, you can't do that. I'm sorry. You know, if, if I offend you, I don't mean to, but I don't know of anybody that I've ever met in the insurance industry that can be an expert at the level they need to be in every industry on the face of the planet. I just, well, I can't, I can't, I can't agree with you any more than I do because you can put that in it. Like, look at my company. We can't do everything. We can be really, really good at the things that we do from a technology perspective. But, but if we go out and try to boil the ocean, as I like to say, we're going to be mediocre at all. And that's the way agencies, it's exactly the way when I talk, to, I talk to agencies all the time. It's like, yeah, we're a generalist. Okay. What does that mean? Pretty much that you'll, you know, shotgun it and whatever, whatever you get, you get that. I mean, it'll work. You can, you can make some money, but a process, a plan, some, some sort of, you know, key ideas around where you want to target. That's, that's the secret sauce to going from, yeah, we do a pretty good job to, holy crap, what do I do with all of these, with all this money that I have? Sure. Yeah. I know. I agree wholeheartedly. Okay, so if we talk process and we to me, we could talk about it for two hours. If I'm writing notes down and I'm listening in and I wanna I wanna just I'm I'm gonna listen to Rick and David and I'm gonna say, all right, from this podcast, I'm gonna go become a better salesperson. So the first thing is process. You know, reach out to me, reach out to David, reach out to people you know, like get connected with us on LinkedIn. I'll be more than happy to respond. I know I know David well enough to know he's passionate about what he does, he will respond. But, but to me, it goes from process. And then the other thing that you and I need to touch on is habits. Talk sure. to me about your thoughts on that. So it's funny, man. I'm a, a huge, huge, huge believer in habits. Believe it or not, I never had read Atomic Habits until just recently. And I read that book and I'm thinking to myself, and I find this is the case in a lot of books. It takes me a long time to figure out the answer the right way because I just make a lot of stupid decisions and I learn from my mistakes. And, and I look and I'm like, I'm already doing half the stuff this book says, yeah, but it yep. took me 20 some years to get here. So maybe <laughs> if this book would have been out back then, I would have been all right. So, I mean, my first thing is if for a habit, read books. Okay. You know, yeah. if, if you can listen to them on audible, that's great. Um, especially, you know, for people who are constantly in the car traveling, yep. you know, th- that makes more sense. Please don't try and read a book while driving. Um, it doesn't, doesn't do well. Disclaimer, but, this podcast does not <laughs> condone any driving and reading at the same time. I, I was headed there, brother. <laughs> that was the next thing out of my mouth. But, 
I mean, do something to sharpen the saw, you know, constantly work on making yourself better. And Dave Ramsey has a statistic. I don't know if it's accurate or not, but he says something along the lines of by the time an adult is 40 years old, on average, they've only read two nonfiction books from the time they graduated high school to the time they were 40. Is that right? I don't know. And, but, but I look back at it and you, I listen to my friends talking and everything else. And if you think about it, Oh, did you read the new Grisham book? Did you read this? Did you read that? I don't ever read that stuff, man. I read nothing but nonfiction. (laughs) And it's it's crazy. I read plenty of fiction, but I also, you know, I, I go, I go nonfiction, fiction, business, nonfiction, fiction, business. But you know what, what that is right there that I do. It's a habit. Yep. Those little tiny changes and things that you have to implement just one step at a time. And so it's just like the phones. If you make it a habit that before you do anything else in your work day, you're going to make 25 calls period five days. Let's call it 20. I'll keep the math easy for my own benefit. 20 calls every day before you do anything. And you do that five days a week. By the time you get to Friday, you will have called a hundred people, but you have to make that a habit to do that. If I told you, I need you to call hundred people this week, the average producer is going to wait till Friday at three 30 and they still have hundred people to call. <laughs> so true. So true. Right? Yeah. Make it a habit. Do it every, just say, this is what I'm going to do. One of the things that I have had to do, and I talked about this, you know, in terms of needing handlers, but in order for me to get through my day and conduct my day the right way, I have to block time. I have to block me time. Everything I do is scheduled period. 100% of the time. I say that because if I don't schedule it, then I end up on YouTube. <laughs> so right, right, yeah. you know, I'm watching whatever, you know, is the, we were just talking about this a little bit ago, you know, I'll be watching foreign tryouts for the voice and people are speaking or, you know, singing in Swedish. And why am I doing this at three 30 in the afternoon? You know, but I, I block the first two hours of every day and the last two hours of every day, because I need to make sure that my day is set up for success the right way. And then I end it with nothing left in my inbox, no undone tasks or anything like that. I am not an organization, an organization guru by any stretch. That is something I consciously have to do every day. And by scheduling it on my calendar, it gets done. I laugh and joke about it, but I swear, man, I am like Ron Burgundy with his teleprompter when it comes to my calendar. If it's That's on my awesome. calendar, I do it. Literally. Well, and I do the same thing, but mine's different. So, I mean, and let me just give this example for other people because because this is building this is building healthy habits. This is building a, a path to your success. Mine's the other way, David. I do it at night. So my wife goes to bed early, like nine 9.30 and she's like done worst and and i am a night owl like i'm up past midnight i got a game on i'm doing work i do that exact same thing at night the night before so when i get to my day i am completely teed up to be successful and the only reason i say that is there's nothing wrong with the way i do it there's nothing wrong with the way david does it you could have a different way but having a process in place and making those habits real and it, it takes discipline, right? You can't just, you know what? I think I'll try those things I was talking about making habits on Monday and then maybe next Thursday and then a week from the following Friday. That doesn't yeah, work. It's almost like saying, hey, I'm going to go to Procrastinators Anonymous, but I think I'll wait till tomorrow. <laughs> I love it. No, you're right. And, and if you're not in the minds, like this is all mindset stuff, right? This is figuring out how do I get from wherever I am to wherever I want to be? But this is the one thing I'm really organized about. Like the night before, 
I know I've, I've looked at my calendar. I've blocked the times I need. I know exactly what my goals are for that day. And I'm not done until those are done. And if you do that in your day, people, man, it, it changes literally overnight. Wouldn't you say, David? Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. Anyway, let's take this a step further, right? From a habit standpoint, how about this becomes a habit? Only call on the people that are your ideal prospects, period. Everybody else is a waste of time and money for you. Figure out who it is you're going to cater to, who you can serve the best, what industries you're the most passionate about representing, dive deep, become an expert in those, and don't, don't take your eye off the ball. Stay yeah. in that lane 100% of the time. 15, 16 years later, I can still tell you that I only write Anybody who has a high experience, an experience mod above one, because we like to focus on workers comp here in Florida. There's a lot of competitive advantage for us in that area because of the way that the state structures the rates and everything else. But then I write light manufacturing, technology, life sciences, and Department of Defense contractors. That's it. If you looked at my book of business right now, you would not see anything but that. And the reason why is because I'm not a smart guy, but I can know a good amount about five industries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. maybe not 50. Yeah. And so that becomes a habit staying in your lane and only doing that. How about prospecting and cold calling, like in terms of actually going and doing marketing drops, obviously COVID has changed that a little bit, but again, it's a habit. You have to have a defined number or a defined goal that you need to hit, or actually not even a goal, a requirement in the, in the case of our agency, and then do that every week and schedule it to make sure it gets done. And so most of the time when people ask me about how do we produce? What's, our, what's my producer schedule? That's what everybody seems to be worried about. And I'm thinking to myself, I never had a schedule when I was a producer. I was just expected to produce. And if I screwed around and I didn't go out and produce, guess what? I wasn't going to have any kind of income coming in and essentially wouldn't have a job after a while. But you know, we have a, a pretty set process. Every single Monday is team time. So we have our sales meeting, we have our service meeting, and we have our sales and service meeting. And my producers all come to the office that I work out of. And if they need one-on-one -on -one time, they can get that with me. But we take care of company business. And if they're not part of what's going on at that exact minute, they're working on getting everything planned for the next three days because we do our cold call marketing drops on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays every week. And my producers are required to do 10 per day. Now, for example, so everybody knows, when I hire somebody, I do not hire somebody from the insurance industry. I don't hire producers that have insurance experience. I grew my agency giving people like me who had no insurance industry experience a chance. And I love business to business salespeople, period. Yes. They can be yes. software salespeople, yes. uh, payroll, credit card processing. It doesn't matter because the one thing I learned very quickly when I got into this industry is... I went from working 100 hours a week to a self-imposed 50 hours a week. I was working twice as many hours as my competition and half as much as I was used to and felt like I was on vacation. And it made it very easy <laughs> for me to be able to go through and write new business because at four o'clock on a Friday afternoon, I answered my cell phone and the incumbent didn't because they were playing golf or bending elbows at half the hour. And yeah. so I made sure that I did that and I tapered it back over time, but my producers do the same thing every week. They know the requirement. You have to do 100 phone calls every week to your targeted prospects. You have to make 30 marketing drops every week to your targeted process, uh, prospects. And I think where the agencies fall down on this, number one is they don't set those requirements. Okay. I think we use the word goal too much. You know, 
goals feel good goals everybody gets a trophy you know oh, requirement man, is you started keep your, on that one yeah you, you you keep your job if you hit this number and if you don't we're gonna have some tough conversations so i, I think the, the the required activity is important but i'm also very very cautious i think agencies miss the mark because many times they don't invest in the right technology i'm not saying mm-hmm. they don't invest in technology in general i'm saying they don't invest in the right technology and they don't have that stuff digital to where they can track that behavior. They can right. see that the behavior is happening. And the reason why that's important, specifically because I'm bringing people in from outside the industry, where we play is in the middle market, okay? Our average accounts are 250 to 500 in premium, just like they were 15 years ago for me. That's what I built my agency off of. Mm-hmm. There's a longer sales cycle with that. You right. might go two or three months and not write a single account. And if you're an immature agency owner in terms of being in that space, you could freak out really, really quickly. So if you have those behaviors digitized and you can log into a system and see that stuff in front of you, I'm a lot more peaceful about the situation because I know that the behavior is going to breed the results. All I can ask for anybody who's on my team when they first come in is to trust the process and follow it, period. And if you do that, you'll never have an issue with me because I can log in and I can see, oh, wow, you know, they didn't just do 30 marketing drops. They did 40. Still no phone call. Well, let's, let's go on the next, let's go on the next round with them. Hey, I'm going to ride with you this week. Let's go do marketing drops together. I want to see kind of what's going on because you should have had a couple of appointments out of those. No big deal, which is probably a minor tweak, whatever else. And so you can troubleshoot and you can fix those things. But if you can see that they're getting the at-bats, you know that at some point the business is going to hit. And that's where the, it's, it's crazy on the other side because you may go that third, fourth, fifth month after no activity and all of a sudden you have three or four accounts hit and this person's produced $200,000 in revenue for your agency for the year and all is well in the world. But if I was impatient and I didn't have the systems in place to know that the behaviors were happening the way that I wanted them to, I probably would lose good salespeople as a result. And that's what that's what happens with so many agencies that go, you know, just write that bop or write that just go write those this and that and they, they go away from their plan. I love I love this topic. I want to go deeper, but I want to say like I almost want to save it like let's do this again in a few months and go a level deeper because I think there's so much that can be like, I I want to stop and just I don't want to over like, overload people (laughs) with information. I'm I'm with you because then the natural progression is we, we haven't even talked about what you do when you get in front of somebody or the exactly. psychology behind that or anything exactly. else. And we don't have enough time to do that. So we definitely or you can come on my podcast and we'll do it. Let's do that. There. Let's do that. And, and I'll bring, I'll bring my guests over to yours. You bring your guests over to my, or your, uh, your listeners over to mine. All right. So let's just recap really quick. If, if I'm out there, I like, I should be, unless I'm not a true salesperson, I am hyped right now. Cause David is talking He's talking stuff that is really going to change the way you're able to, to make money. Because at the end of the day, producers want to make money. Have a process. Build habits. You've got to build habits. Read books, like he said, Atomic Habits, great book. Though that, That's the kind of the approach that you need to take. So, I mean, David has a like a sales training course called Killing Commercial Insurance. Like, call David. Figure it out. Like, invest in yourself, and this thing can be awesome. David, if people want to connect with you, is it LinkedIn? Is it like, they find you on, like, I know you've got some YouTube stuff. Obviously you want them to come, I want them to come over and listen to the Power Producers podcast. To kind of give us the rundown of where to find you. I can tell you, if you can't find me on LinkedIn, there's, please <laughs> there's let me something know. something wrong with you. Yeah, because I'm all over it. But 
you know, what I tell everybody jokingly is I'm an open connector. You can connect with me on any social platform. Just expect what you get when you do, because, <laughs> you know, you, you come to my Facebook page, we let it all hang out. You know, I've got a wild and dysfunctional family and we share all, but guess what people, that's how you build relationships online. And my clients are my friends on social, just like they are my clients in business. And that makes Builds my your online reputation and yours is yep. yours is impressive, David. I appreciate it, man. Hey, thanks for coming on. Uh, we will definitely do this again. This has been great. Thanks, man. Sure thing. My pleasure. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Also go to vertifor.com, go to the resources, click on podcasts and subscribe there as well for bonus content, et cetera, et cetera. I am also very, very active on LinkedIn. So if you're not already connected with me, please come do so. I love all the direct messages I get. Please send me notes on what you think of these shows, what we could be doing either better, worse, people we should have on like David and these great guests that we get on. Just make sure that you're part of the community. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Thanks again to our guest, David Carruthers, who we will definitely have back. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Vertifor Insurance Podcast and tune in next Thursday for a brand new episode. You can find more episodes at vertifor.com under the resources tab or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe and join in on the conversation on LinkedIn and Twitter at Vertifor.